And credit, you know, means more money, more spending. And one person's spending is another person's income. And if there's less spending, income goes down. And it's just a full cycle. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the B is for Business podcast. How are you guys doing this week, Tyler and Tom? Uh, doing pretty well. So I actually started taking my investments a little more seriously this week. And they appreciated it. <laughs> Good one. Good one. Corny joke Good to start, start off. Tom, yeah, what do you got? Uh, Tom. Uh, I don't know. Been a long week in the uh, the stock and crypto game, that's for sure. Uh, this past weekend, though, I did go to this party. Funny, like crazy. Batman invited me. And it was this <laughs> evening of discussing everyone's Bitcoin investments. Um, and all the superheroes were there. But Superman didn't go because it was a crypto night. <laughs> oh yeah yep. okay. that's a good one that, that's it's a good sad. one i i think yeah. that was a good one not yeah. too corny a little corny um yeah but yeah we are not a humor podcast not gonna <laughs> tell jokes the whole time yeah. uh let's stick to investing for now but we might start off every podcast with a joke in the future um see how it goes that yeah, wasn't try a joke <laughs> <laughs> yeah funny funny guy <laughs> um <laughs> i'm so off track now um yeah. all right so this week, yeah, a lot uh, went on. Stock market kind of up and down again. Still crazy high volatility while we're waiting for that March 16th, 17th meeting with the Fed. And then we got real estate still with that low supply, um, extra low for like winter standards. And the homes are selling faster for winter standards. Usually it's a little slower in the winter, but it's kind of still already picking up. Like it's right. the spring is gearing up a little earlier than normal. Um, and then, yeah, crypto had like a little bit it had like two days where it like really went up but then it fell right back down to pretty close where it's at um we should probably mention that we also record on fridays and saturdays usually sometimes sundays yep. um so like we might be like a day delayed when it comes out on monday um with some of the stuff we say regarding like the price of crypto or something for the week um yeah. just throwing that out there um but yeah how what are you guys doing this week anything you're looking at investing um, in i mean it's it's definitely tough like last week was you know very volatile um, obviously with the looming, you know, Fed hiking interest rates, you know, it's to be determined if it's going to be just the quarter percent or, you know, half a percent and how many total hikes they're going to be this year. I know it started off like, you know, it's going to be four, then maybe five. And then some people are saying even nine hikes. <laughs> I actually saw a chart. It was, you know, the amount of times, uh, the rates are going to hike throughout the year and the beginning of the year, it was like three then four, then five, then six. Now it's all the way at nine. So they're expecting like nine hikes. Is yeah. the Obviously, average... who, who who knows? Like that's just a random number. People are just guessing. And that gets more more headlines, more clickbaits. Yeah. It's like if someone says, oh, like two times. Like yeah, people are like, yeah, whatever. But someone says, oh, it's gonna they're going to hike rates nine times. Everyone's like, oh my goodness, what? Let me click on the article. Like, oh. Yeah. yeah. I do feel like a clickbait is like a part of it. Um, it yeah. kind of reminds me of, do you guys remember when like LeBron James, like one of the biggest basketball players in the world was leaving um cleveland and yep. he went to miami and his like introduction speech he was like not four not five yeah not yeah. six championships kept going him wade funny. and bosh all doing it yeah that's what i feel like the rates are like right now yeah. and just everyone like needs to say a higher number yeah. than the the previous one and i i mean like you got to kind of trust the fed here i feel like like they said what they said and like stick with what they said like why listen to jp morgan and like what they say and why not stick to what the fed says until the fed says something different and i do wish the fed could be like a little bit more transparent i wish they were um <laughs> yeah that would be nice and like if you're gonna raise it 10 times right like why didn't you start earlier where well, you wouldn't have to have raised it 10 uh, times? also too it's, like 
10 times at a quarter percent. That's, well, that's what I, I mean, was going to ask. Yeah, it's a it, lot. Is a quarter percent usually what it is? is yeah, that, I think that's what it was that the last deal? time. Sometimes like half, but usually yeah. a quarter. Oh, okay. Yeah. But if they did 10 times at, what, 0.25 versus like eight times at 0.5, obviously that's yes. a lot more. So it depends, you know, what they're going to do. Yeah, so like 10 times at 0.25, you're looking at 2.5%, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know, like that's, that's like unreasonable. Yeah, honestly. that's like what it was like. I don't know, not that many years ago, yeah. like pre-pandemic. And, so, mm-hmm. in um, 2018, and think inflation was you know right around target at like you know whatever, just over two. And I think interest rates uh, were right under two. Yeah. So they were right around the same. Yeah. So I I don't know. We'll see how much it affects it. I have a feeling like like a lot of the market is just being affected by it now. Right. So like when the price, uh, sorry, the interest rate actually does change. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much of a difference we'll see. Um, like yeah. maybe on like that trading day and like the following days around it, we'll see like a mm-hmm. lot of crazy volatility, but it will be nice when like this is over. Um, yeah. and we get like a little bit more stability in the market. Definitely. And the reason why we keep talking about this for people listening is because it's very important what the fed does with the rates because it determines the amount of credit that's in our economy. And credit, you know, means more money, more spending. And one person's spending is another person's income. And if there's less spending, income goes down. And it's just a full cycle. And that obviously impacts the economy as a whole, you know, in the United States and the entire world. So it's very important to, you know, keep up and understand what rate's going to be doing because it impacts everyone. Not just people going, for, you know, applying for loans or investing in stocks, but, you know, it can have the trickle-down effect. Yeah. And this is kind of like along the lines of what you just said, where if someone's, uh, spends more money, Mm -hmm. um, the company can like raise prices because they have more goods that inflation's higher. So they have to spend more to make those products, sell the products at a higher rate. You need to bump people's salaries up so they can afford it. And then you're back in like a cycle where now the person's salary is higher. So they buy more stuff. And like with these high inflation rates, you kind of can get into a bad cycle that way as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that'll also like, be something you want to keep an eye the, on. The, I think people are calling it the wage spiral right now. Yeah, like the wage wage price spiral. It definitely can get out of hand fast. Yeah, yeah, because so, prices yeah. go up, wages got to go up. People can buy more because their wages are up. <laughs> yeah, just vicious cycle. Definitely. Um. So yeah, and also like interest rates are pretty important for real estate as well. Right. Like um, I like I don't buy that many individual stocks, so I get that like the fears in the market with the interest rates affect the stock prices. But outside of that, they're not, they are affecting like the company's ability to purchase products at certain prices and stuff like that. But overall, like it doesn't impact the stock price directly, the interest rate going up mm. until, sorry, how? Like we see the stock price, like just, what do you mean? Like, like on S&P? a given day, like if the interest rate goes up 0.25%, it doesn't affect the stock price directly. Well, it could, but the fear... some, some people trade on margin. Yeah. Okay. Some people so, trade on money they so, do yeah. not have. Okay. So if you're, yeah, taking debt on stocks and trading on margin, then that would be a and then also it. interest rates because companies borrow money and if the loans cost more for these companies then their earnings are going to be impacted right so that does actually you know yeah yeah but like just for like a normal stock. buyer of a stock like oh, we're it talking about buyers of stock not actual companies yes yeah 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 okay like in that case it wouldn't actually yeah. but like yeah said, the it, companies it could... would be affected by it which would then affect the stock price yeah i get that um but like it does have a bigger impact on real estate I think is where it could be more felt because 
like a, like all those banks that lend out that money are lending it based on the feds rate. It's like the federal fund rate is what's changing. Yeah. A lot of people get that mixed up. People think, oh, the interest rates are being raised by the fed right now. Mortgage rates are being raised, but that's actually not what it is. It's the federal fund rate, which like real estate mortgage rates do follow that but actually not as closely as some people think. Um, and it doesn't mean that if the Fed raises their rate to 2.5% because they do 10 rate hikes at 0.25, that real estate rates will also go up 0.25. Um, especially like the Fed rate is still at zero right now. They haven't bumped it up yet. Yeah. Um, mortgage rates have actually been going up for the last like couple months now, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not sure the exact amount that they've gone up. It's still not like they're still at historic low mortgage rates. Yeah. Um, I mean, but they're not as low as they were at the bottom. Yeah, it's but gone yeah. up over 1% in the past year, I believe. Yeah, and the mortgage rates going up is a big deal for buyers because you might not think it, but like 1% interest on a 30-year mortgage on a couple hundred thousand dollar house is a big difference on how much you end up paying. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a chance that it could slow the housing market. I mean, we'll see how that goes. But It's also tough for sellers too. I mean, think about it. If someone buys a home, and they're locked in at 2.75%, they're probably not going to want to sell when rates are like at 4.5% because they'll have to buy a new home. And they, they already have that mortgage locked in at like 2.75%. Mm-hmm. So that could impact the demand at homes too. So it might keep the supply low. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah which is already at historic lows. Yeah. I think they just came out this past week and said 1.6 months, which I think it was 1.8 before. And 1.6 months That's is really wow. low. Yeah. And like regardless of interest rates, like if you just take those out of the equation because there's so little supply, if a mm-hmm. seller does want to sell their home, they got to find somewhere to move. Right. So like, it's hard for them to just sell in general because the supply is so low. So Tom, you said 1.6 months. Yeah. What, what, you know what the average is? I know obviously 1.6 is I low. I mean, it's definitely higher than that. Yeah. I don't know exactly what the average is. Do you, Joe? Well, I guess, I don't know. Are you talking like the average over a hundred years? I think a yeah, healthy housing supply is somewhere around. I think it's like, like six four, months. Five, oh, si- okay, six, yeah. yeah, somewhere in that range is yeah. like um, yeah. it's like healthy. I think whatever. Yeah, it's somewhere around the number of months Tom just mentioned that yeah. it switches from a buyer's market to a seller's market, yeah. and from a seller's market to a buyer's market, going each way. So like right now we're in a heavy, heavy seller's market, yeah. like pretty much peak seller's market. Like mm-hmm. you can't unless you go. It would be ridiculous to have like one month of housing supply. Just looked it um, up. A six month supply is healthy. Yeah. yeah or considered healthy. So. so yeah, we're not even close to that. Yeah. So <laughs> you're going to need to build so many homes to get mm-hmm. back to that equilibrium point. And like it does yeah. fluctuate. It's almost never just at six, like and mm-hmm. steady at six forever. Because right. like when it like, I don't know, builders just are more incentivized to build at certain times, less incentivized at other times. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just like fluctuates around. But this is really low. Um, and they, they are trying to build a lot right now. I mean, I wouldn't want to be a builder right now with all these supply, you know, chain problems. Yeah. Like, no, no thanks. Construction's already more, it's difficult as it is. And especially with, you know, the cost of everything going up, like not even just materials, but services too, wages going up. It's, it's definitely tough to be a home builder right now. I, I wouldn't want to be one. Yeah, it's tough. And I did, I saw a chart recently that showed that they were building more homes now than in 2008. And people were like, oh, okay, supply is like going crazy right now. So we're about to see a big crash. Um, like this is the top. But there are so many factors that are going against that, that are working against that to not allow that crash to happen. And I think 2008 was very different for a lot of reasons. Like 2008 crashed, not because they were building a ton of homes. That's true. They were building at like a rate that was faster than any time in the previous like 20 years, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, they were building really fast, but it was just like the faulty loans and like, the bad mortgages that they were giving people that 
probably realistically shouldn't have been given those mortgages. Yeah, like the the, the ninja loans. No <laughs> yeah. job, no income. What were those? You got... It, like your credit score could be 500. You didn't need to have a job or any income or no assets. I think I said it was no job, no income, no assets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just like, here's a loan. <laughs> yeah, here's a loan. Figure out how to pay it off. Yeah. After we jack your rate up, you know, in, in 20 months or like two months, gets jacked up and then you're scared. Yeah. <laughs> you, can't, you can't afford it. So then bank takes your house back. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's like not good for them to take it back either. Like they're not in the business of buying and selling homes. They right. don't want to do that. They just want to collect interest. Um, and, but that picture I saw where it's like homes are being, uh, built at a record pace, like going to cause a crash. Um, like it doesn't, I don't see it for like the supply reason we were just talking about, mm-hmm. um, and all that, but also that chart was a little misleading because it was saying that it's being built at a record pace, but it was also talking about units and not physical, like single structures, single family homes. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people that want to buy a home, like it's not that new construction in big apartment complexes isn't really helping them as much. And I don't know if you guys notice like around where we live, I don't see a ton of new construction. It's um, a lot of it's in like those big cities. Like it's really located in specific spots. Like if you go to Nashville, Mm -hmm. I'm guessing you look at like, I haven't been there, um, but I've been to a lot of cities where you see this is you see all those cranes on top of buildings. That's like signaling that they're just building a lot. Like I think Austin, Texas is the same way right now. So you have these cities that are going to be hotspots where they're building a lot and that might help housing supply. But around here where we live, where they're not, we don't see like a ton of new construction coming in. It's not really helping as much. So I think it'll be really spotty where that actually helps. Definitely. Um, and also like that chart, like housing supply, people think like, oh, it's, it's definitely going to cause a crash. It doesn't always. Cause there's um, like in the seventies, they built like a ton of homes while interest rates were at like 20% and didn't like cause a housing crash yeah home um, prices actually went up yeah that time it when interest rates and inflation was at like 20 percent. home prices still went up yeah it's crazy. crazy if you look at all those charts there's really no correlation between like housing crashes and like much data at yeah. all like they're you it's usually caused by like a unique thing like in 2008 was the bad lending mm-hmm. um and in like the past before that there really hasn't been a huge crash that was specific to like interest rates right. or supply or something like that yeah, there would so, have to be like a recession. People lose jobs and they yeah. can't afford homes. Demand plummets. Boom. Yeah. Something and like even that. if I think like the loans right now are so strong, like because of like the Dodd-Frank um, Act and all that stuff that they put in after 2008 to avoid this foreclosure problem we had, mm-hmm. um, mortgages are so strong. Like you got to be really qualified to afford one. Um, and yeah. like they look at your re- reserves and all that. So even if you lost your job, you may still be able to make your payments. I don't know what they use for like guidelines, but I'm sure they look into how many months you could go after losing your job, yeah. making your payment. And I think they're just so strong right now that it'll be tough to see foreclosures unless we have some kind of black swan event like COVID or yeah. we'll see what happens. I, well, I think the reason you don't see as many crashes in the housing market too, as you wouldn't like stocks is because it's not easy to have a stock market crash, but literally everyone just nowadays goes on their phone, goes to their brokerage and sells and there's a crash. You can't just sell a house in a day. Like if you, if you want to sell your house, it takes months. So there's no like event, like with the snap of a finger, like COVID that could like completely just in one day crash it. I feel like it takes time. Yeah, that's a good point. And it makes me think of crypto too, because crypto like is like the same way as stocks. You can do it right from your phone, buy and sell, but it also goes 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. So that could also contribute to the part of the reason why crypto is more volatile than the stock market and real estate and the stock market is more volatile than real estate. Definitely. Yeah. What, so what would your advice right now be for people who maybe, 
you know, are just getting into investing and they're kind of, you know, worried. They see all these crazy prices and they're not sure of the future and they just want to, you know, make sure they're going to be, you know, financially stable in the future. Like what advice would you give them? You know, we're talking about like investing in all different assets. Yeah. Just in general. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know obviously, you know, keep, keep with your long-term goals. Everyone has different goals, but you know, I would say just remain consistent and you don't let your emotions get the best of you. And just keep, you know, dollar cost averaging in and, you know, saving money and being smart about, you know, your spending. Yeah, I would say, like you said, just have some goals and like really stick to them. So if your goal is to just invest in the stock market, like, or your 401k or something till you retire, just keep doing it. Don't stop, like pull it out to do different goals. Like if you have a goal to retire by 40 or something though, and you've got to be more aggressive, have that goal, but also stick to it. So Mm -hmm. if you're going to buy individual stocks, um, buy those stocks consistently. If you're going to don't like just sell because you got fearful one day. Um, like you just said. So I feel like that's what I would do. Um, I would also definitely get educated. That would be my first thing is like, make that plan, have those goals, but also get educated in all the different assets to find the one that you think will help you be the most successful and then also give you some stability, um, for your future. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I would definitely just say, educate yourself. First and foremost, uh, you can read podcasts. Be is for business podcast. Um, yes. Uh, read <laughs> podcasts. Do some more reading. Look up things online about investing. Did mm. I mention reading? You can read. Just There's so much out there, so much information, and you just got to utilize it. In this day and age, you can find information anywhere. And like personally for me, like I started investing stocks in stocks at the beginning of the pandemic. And stocks just started going way up because there was just this big crash. So I was like, oh, it's easy to trade stocks. It's easy to trade stocks. Turns out it's not. If I educated myself, most people can't beat like the S&P 500 trading themselves. And and even most uh, like fund managers and stuff will not beat the S&P 500. So if you just educate yourself and learn and realize that taking a long-term approach is often better. Mm-hmm. Um, like for real estate, we, we've had some success in real estate, but I had to really educate myself before I got into that. Right. Nowadays, it's too easy for someone to open up a Robinhood account, get on Coinbase, and they're trading within hours and having no knowledge whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You just take the time, learn, and then just ease your way into it and you'll you'll be successful over the long term. Yeah. Yeah, my other advice would be to just YOLO it all in Shiba Inu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's funny. Just kidding. Obviously, that's a joke. Don't the do it. not financial <laughs> advice disclaimer right there. Although... Just, just draw right from your 401k. Just take it all out. <laughs> yeah. Pay the taxes. Take the penalty. Put it in Shiba. Oh, boy. <laughs> Things not to do. Yeah. Don't do that. But I actually... I do think you should have some skin in the game. Like Obviously, Tom said, you know, read a lot, become um, educated, which, you know, can take some time. But you don't want to wait too long, you know, after, mm. you know, read like 100 books and then two years go by and you haven't done anything. You know, just start small. Even if you have a little skin in the game and you're investing like a tiny percent of your income every week just to kind of, you know, get, get a feel for it and understand, you know, how to do it. That way, when you're more educated, you can you know, hit the ground running and, you know, go, go all in. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Definitely don't spend years waiting because dollar cost averaging is the best. But I think if you look online, you find pretty quickly yeah. that like taking a long-term approach and investing just dollar cost averaging a little bit from each paycheck is a great strategy. Um, things like maybe real estate might take a little longer to learn, but that's okay because it's like a bigger process, but still you don't want to wait years to do that either. If you Mm -hmm. can like afford it or find a way to save up money, 
you should still try and do it quick. Yeah, I would say jump right in. Like real estate's a lot harder to jump right in if you're funding it yourself because like you got to save up a pretty good amount of money. But I think most people can find five dollars out of their paycheck to just put into like a stock you like for that week. Mm -hmm. So you can jump right in even without that much knowledge. Five dollars, like what's the worst you lose it? Yeah. So in that sense, jump right in, but don't jump in and like if you are like strapped for cash with all five hundred dollars in one stock. Like get educated first um, or put small amounts in yeah. until you're educated. But I do think you should start right away by just jumping in a little bit. Definitely. Yeah. And you said something strapped for cash. If you, you know, you, you don't have a lot of money and you're kind of, you know, like why? Like, I, I don't know where it all goes. Take a minute to track all your spending. I guarantee you will find things that you didn't even realize. And you, oh, wow. I spend that much here. Like I got to change that. And then you can make small changes and then all the small changes will add up and you're like, oh, wow. Now I have an extra $300 per month that I you know, just came up with because I changed my spending and I, I budgeted a little better. So yeah, th th those things can really help you. I actually meant to mention that exact same thing. Like, yeah, it's easy to like go on on your phone once in a while and look at the card balance or whatever you have. Mm -hmm. But if you actually take the time to write down whenever you make a purchase, you're writing it and you're like, damn, did I really just spend $25 on Uber Eats? I mean, I could have gone to the grocery store and bought a meal for like five dollars, like, yeah. or you could have picked it up like yourself. Yeah, or and, pick it up myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. One other tip on budgeting is also you can kind of use budgeting in a way to set goals. So, like, one thing I did was I took my all my expenses, my future expenses. So I said in five years, when I want to be financially independent, these will be my expenses. And I calculate them. So it was my car payment that I'll have at the time, my house payment that I'll have at the time, everything from food and beverages to like just random supplies you need, like a toothbrush. So I totaled all health that insurance. up. Yeah. Health insurance. If you're financially free, like you got to make sure you include something like that, that you won't have from your job anymore. Um, so that'll end up being a, a very heavy expense, but you add all those up and then it kind of gives you a passive income goal to get to for your financial independence. So like, for example, you might need to get to $4,000 a month. So then you work backwards from that and say like, okay, if I invest a thousand, if I get to, or sorry, a million dollars in the S and P 500, I'll be getting dividends that equal $4,000 a month. Bam. You fit your passive income goal. So you can kind of like work backwards from it. Or it could be like, I need to buy 10 rental properties to hit that passive income goal at $400 a month. That would get me there. Yeah. Um, so you can kind of like work backwards from it and it would just like kind of give you a goal and it would also help you budget at the same time because you see, oh, if I save more money here, I can put it to here and it'll get me to my passive income goal faster. Yeah. No, it's great. I, li I like that. So ed educate yourself, budget and set a goal. Set goals. Yeah. Multiple goals. Yeah. And one other have. thing I, I would do is just jump in there and buy a Melania Trump NFT. <laughs> <laughs> did you guys see what she did? Yeah. That's pretty crazy. What'd she do? No, I didn't see. <laughs> uh, did she so just make don't, her own NFTs? Yeah. She did make her own NFTs. So that actually was definitely not financial advice. Um, but she, she made her own F NFTs and then got caught buying her own NFT. Yeah. It's so, actually something we've talked about on this podcast. Yeah, like, like ways to launder money. You wait, make an NFT and then yeah. you buy the NFT and jack up the price. <laughs> yeah. Like you is buy that, it. For, wait, is it? So even though you're buying it from yourself, would it be it's illegal. illegal? So I looked it up. It is illegal. Like because, if I was just sitting here right now with like a $5 bill and I have my phone next to me on the table and I put the $5 bill, just like moved it from one pocket to the other pocket, picked up the phone and said, I bought my own phone for $5. Is that illegal? Like why so, is it illegal? So I guess I'll explain why it's illegal. Um, first, the Melania Trump one is she got caught 
because she uh, bought it from herself from another wallet, which bought it from another wallet, which bought it from the first wallet, which was hers. And like, so it like someone tracked all the wallets uh, it went through. So that's how she got caught. Um, but it's, and I don't know like how you get penalized in NFTs and crypto for it, like, because they're still pretty unregulated, but it is illegal because it's called wash trading, at least in like stocks. And essentially why you can't do it is because let's say you buy it. So you sell a stock that you own and then immediately buy it back. So you're pretty much selling it and buying it back yourself. Mm-hmm. That gives false illusions of like trade, um, just like momentum of the stock and like, um, increased trading volume. So that increased trading volume that people see will be like, oh, people are really trying to buy the stock right now. I'll buy into and it'll make the price go higher. So it's illegal to buy and sell a stock immediately back and forth like that. Um, And it also, if you were trading with a broker trading stocks, um, brokers could do it to get extra commission fees. Mm -hmm. Just like buy and sell for the same price and they're just getting fees on top of that, which is definitely illegal. Yep. I see. I actually just looked up her her uh nfts are they literally just pictures of herself like hand drawn <laughs> honestly i didn't even look what like, they were is that what they are uh, i don't know i mean <laughs> i i looked up melania trump nfts and there's some like close-ups of like eyes and then this other sketch of her wearing a hat which i mean if i had to guess i'm gonna say maybe they're they're her eyes that are drawn if if the hat picture is also there so <laughs> yeah, i don't know crazy. I, 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 I do think this is the fact that you know if someone like someone does this and then like they get caught because it's you know on the public blockchain which, which is good because it shows that okay you know like the other uh, scam we talked about a couple weeks ago that couple laundering billions of dollars of crypto like they got caught and it's good that these you know people are getting caught and they're not just you know getting away with this stuff yeah because it's almost like i said like crypto is self-regulating where you know all, all these transactions are you know on the blockchain so yeah the people on twitter will find you the financial people on twitter will catch you uh (laughs) yeah it's interesting it's it's a good thing to talk about too with nfts is like be careful with what you buy because there's like a ton of art out there right now like pretty much everyone's making a project it seems like yeah so just be careful um know what you're getting into because they are still very volatile investments um and there's still like a lot most people don't even know about them like I would say a good chunk of the people who buy NFTs, like especially a lot of the celebrities getting in the game, don't really know that much about them. Right. Because even me, who like I've done a bunch of research on NFTs, still don't really understand all of the blockchain and how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a lot to dive into. Yeah, it'd be nice to have that kind of uh, celebrity money to be able to just buy the NFT without uh, caring about like what its utility is and stuff, and just being like. Oh, these are cool to have right now. I'll I'll pick one up. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's uh one of those things too where it's like they're only worth what someone is willing to pay. Well, that's everything. You know, things are only worth what someone's willing to pay. Just in general. Yeah, what about like Oh yeah, I I, I was going to say like what about a house? Same, or, same thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very true. Like if if there's this house that someone's listing for $400,000, but for some reason no one wants it. And one guy's willing to pay two hundred thousand dollars. That's what it's worth, even though it might be valued at four hundred thousand dollars. And the seller wants four hundred thousand dollars. No one's gonna pay that, so it's not worth that because only one person wants it. And he's like, "I'll give you two thousand two hundred thousand dollars. That's it. That's what it's worth." Yeah, that, true. that has yeah. to be what it's worth because there's no other buyers. Yeah, like pretty much any time you buy a house under what it was listed for, someone's buying it for what it's worth, not yeah. what it was listed for. Yeah, what what, yeah. what they are willing to pay for it. 
Right. Yeah, and I think a, a good example would be because, like, the housing supply is low, mm-hmm. the houses are worth more to people because they're having a hard time finding one, and that leads to uh, bids over the asking price raising up the value. Like, mm-hmm. it, So it's really just people, yeah, essentially putting a higher price on it themselves. Yeah, and that's why people are willing to pay so much more for, like, Dogecoin, because it's going to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's down a lot right now, so it's not a direct flight to the moon, but it's going to the moon. Haven't heard that name in ages. <laughs> yeah, I actually like I don't invest in Dogecoin, um, but I, I just love talking yeah. about Dogecoin. Yeah, we, meme, we we have to save for the al- for algorithm. You know, hopefully if we say it a couple times, it gets us, you know, on on the front page or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know how the Spotify or Apple Music algorithm works, but I'm I'm sure we can game it. Yeah. You guys see a lot of like financial gurus on Twitter or in um, YouTube, especially. They have the most clickbaity titles and thumbnails. Yeah, just it's, to get it's you absurd. To to it. And everyone has like the same thing. It's like a guy with his mouth wide open and like rocket ships <laughs> up and then like arrows down. Like coming housing crisis. Is this the end? All caps question mark exclamation point. Yeah, and then they talk about like why it could go up yeah. or down. <laughs> yeah, they just like yeah. give the the like both ways yeah they, they get their um, viewers what what they want like yeah. it could go up but it could go down could, yeah so that no we'll viewer yeah, yeah every viewer is gonna love that because yeah. they like they have that hopium they're like yeah. it's gonna <laughs> i've never hopium. heard that but i like that hopium you haven't heard that that's good <laughs> yeah yeah there's a lot of those guys out there yeah. um and girls like people who are just some people who have like never actually done what they're talking about too like I like I try to not talk a lot about specific stocks on here mm-hmm. because I don't invest in specific stocks really. Um, but some people will just like sell you this course on stocks right. when they like probably have a hundred dollars in like Apple or something. Yeah. But they're very good at marketing and they like understand enough to put it on paper, mm-hmm. so they could sell you this book or this course on stocks. Right. Um, so that's also something that happens in, or it definitely used to happen. Um, in real estate a lot. I think a lot of the, a lot of the real estate resources are free now. Um, but I listen to a lot of real estate resources and like read a lot of books and I hear stories all the time of people who paid like $10,000 to this like guru to teach them how to invest in real estate when you can get like the equivalent of a four year bachelor's degree at college just by listening to podcasts and reading like five books. Yeah. Um, so it's like really not that hard and you definitely don't need to, anytime someone's like telling you to spend money for a course just make sure you do your due diligence and that they know what it's actually saying because some mm-hmm. courses are valuable um as long as you're buying them from the right people mm-hmm. and most court most i mean yeah you, you like i said you can buy courses but you don't need to there's so much yeah, there's information you can out find on your own and it might be a little more difficult to get all that information in one place where you can make sense of it but it's possible and yeah. doing that will probably make you learn even more because you're doing it on your own on your own dime on your own time yeah, yeah. And it sucks, but I'm sure there's people out there who have spent 20 grand on a real estate guru course when yep. you could literally just get the information online and in books and yeah. on podcasts. Like, yeah. It's and, so it, yeah, yeah, and spending that money doesn't actually push you any closer to your goals, right? Or to even having a house. Like that 20 percent could have been spent on a down, or twenty thousand dollars could have been spent on a down payment on that house. Mm-hmm. Exactly, in real yeah. estate. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and it, it is one thing to like buying a book like that's fine books are like fifteen dollars yeah. a course some courses might be ten fifteen dollars yeah buy those ones don't buy the ones that are like ten thousand yeah. dollars like 
I see like these ebooks that are selling for like a thousand dollars, and I'm like, really? Why? Yeah, I it's, didn't it's, know. It's because of an ebook. Like, they, not they, they all promise get rich quick. Like it's like you know, oh, how how to you know land your first like million dollar a year or something like that. And these people are selling it for thousands and thousands of dollars, and people see that and like, oh, a million dollars? I can get a million dollars. I just need to pay like three payments of ten thousand dollars to get that. I'm in. Yeah, and then they're 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 screwed. It's just like old information that's been recycled. And this episode of B is for Business is sponsored by Ty's Coffee. Are you looking for delicious tasting coffee to get you through the morning? Fresh from fair trade farms in South America, Ty's Coffee is a hundred percent USDA certified organic and packaged in compostable and renewable bags with biostone labeling. Go to Ty'sCoffee.com to place an order of sustainable coffee today. That's Ty's Coffee, T Y S C O F F E E dot com. Ty's Coffee, great tasting and great for the environment. Yeah, yeah. If it was that easy, everyone would be rich. exactly like it, yeah. like everyone would see. Oh, this person did it. I'm gonna do it, and everyone would be rich within a year if it was right. actually that easy. Yeah, it's just not. It's so but, much. What I take from this is that you guys want me to put super clickbaity titles on these podcasts going forward, and we're gonna Abs- get millions <laughs> of listeners. Absolutely, we're gonna... I'm fine with a clickbait yeah. title. Yeah, clickbait title. That's as no long problem. as it, we, yeah, we don't have anything else. Like we don't have a YouTube yet, <laughs> yeah. so clickbaity titles on the uh, the podcast. We, we so. have to have a really good one this week. <laughs> so we'll have to come up with one. Yeah. yeah. Dogecoin to a thousand? Question mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's not relevant. It has to be relevant. That, that's that's the big thing. Uh, it is relevant. He just said it. <laughs> Yeah, it was part like, of the episode. Interest rates going negative? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. Interest rates at negative 10%. Let's do that. And then we just talk about how they were going up. Yeah. Uh, that is a thing. Negative interest rates are a real thing. Yeah. Um, I'm not entirely sure how they work, though. Do you guys understand? Because I know yeah. Europe has had negative rates before, I think. I feel like Canada might have, too. Really? I don't like, know if re- the U.S. has re- ever. Recently? Wait. Um, Would that let me- literally mean that someone is paying you? No interest no. on something. No, no, no. no. It, it uh, just that's means, like yeah, mind-boggling. That's... <laughs> I don't really, I can't grasp that. I, I mean, that's never happened in the United States, right, Joe? You're saying it just happened in other countries? Yeah, um, yeah. it has happened in Europe for sure. I mean, so um, with with, with inflation, because okay, so I, I was so, thinking this way: with inflation, you obviously would want to spend your money now because things are going up, prices are going up. But with negative, you know, deflation, if rates are below zero, you save your money. Oh, okay. Because I get things deflation. are going to be worse. He's talking about negative interest rates. Well, it, yeah, the same so, thing. Like, think about it. if if interest rates are yeah, what that, that is. So weird. I was so thinking, I'm reading that it right mean, now. Like, if I bought a house instead of a, me paying the bank four percent interest on that, they'd be paying me to buy the house because it like. So essentially, <laughs> you want to get rid of it. <laughs> so I'm reading this. Yeah, let's uh, right let's now. So essentially, this. this says in a statement that ECB, which I think might be European Central Bank said it would hold its key interest rate at minus 0.5 and continue buying bonds under like whatever amount, um, at least through March 2022. So they are currently at negative interest rates. Um, And the impact it has, it says, with negative interest rates, cash deposited at a bank yields a storage charge rather than the opportunity to earn interest income. That makes wow. sense. Okay, I get that. Yeah. So basically, it encourages you to invest your money more. That because yep, you're okay, paying to sense. hold it in a bank. You're yeah. not just earning like nothing on your money. You're actually paying them. So you're losing money, not just from inflation, just in general. You're paying. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's pretty wild. And 
um they do it like i think one of you said it while i was looking it up they they do it in deflationary environments right because it helps stimulate the economy right like like during a recession they they lower it okay boom more people right so it's pretty much essentially exactly what they did when COVID started they Mm -hmm. needed to stimulate the economy so they dropped the rates to zero they could have went even further to stimulate the economy more Mm -hmm. um it makes me wonder like if they are at minus 0.5 in europe i don't know how low they could go like what if they went to minus two like mortgage rates are usually a little bit above that. I mean, not always. They definitely don't usually follow it um, exactly. So it could be wrong. But what if you were getting like a 30-year fix for 0%? Well, that's what I was saying. <laughs> like, yeah, could it go the opposite way below zero? Yeah, <laughs> Obviously like, not. I don't like if you were cool. buying houses in Europe and like that was the case, you'd be definitely getting a lot of cash flow from those investments. But I know Europe actually has a bigger housing problem than the United States. Um, and it seems like the United States is kind of trending towards that, um, European model where it's largely like a, not largely, like there's a lot more renters though than homeowners, uh, not just, not more than homeowners, more than homeowners in the U S. So there's a lot of renters in Europe. Um, and it makes me wonder if the U S is kind of heading in that direction. And I think what would happen if that was the case is rents would end up increasing and increasing and increasing more because more people are renting. So if that happened, then I think what the government would have to do is step in and like how they provide Section 8 benefits now, um, where they like pay part of someone's rent. I think the government would need to step up more and actually like expand that program a lot um, and kind of just be involved. And I honestly, I kind of think that might be where we're heading. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. The more prices go up, the harder it is for someone to afford. They have to keep renting. Rents go up. And like just more and more landlords um, work their way in and then you end up with just a large renter society. Yeah. As someone who invests in real estate, I definitely wouldn't mind that. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, there'd be so many people trying to become real estate investors, I feel like, in that situation. And you start to run out of like almost a supply on an investor side. Like it's hard to get a deal because I feel like so many people would be going towards like you either rent basically or you end up trying to like get a multifamily home or something. Yeah. And I mean, with the supply where it is now, it's already extremely difficult for new investors to get in the game. Um, and like, if you were in 2010, if you started real estate investing, there were opportunities everywhere. Mm-hmm. Now, just 12 years later, um, and even 10 years later, like two years ago, we were in just as tough of a time buying homes as we are now almost um, at the start of COVID and just 10 years, you can change a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, who knows what it's going to look like in 10 years? We, we don't know. It could be maybe the same, maybe completely different. I mean, who knows? It's tough to tell. Inflation's <laughs> up to like 40%. Yeah. It's tough to tell because we'll all be living on Mars and using Shiba Inu coin for money. Yeah. So Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a fun, quick question for you guys. We just talked about the, uh, the negative interest rates and how you get charged to keep money in the bank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right now, let's say, here's a scenario. You have $1 million. How much of it do you keep in the bank and get charged versus how much are you willing to store in your house in a in a safe and risk it, like it getting stolen <laughs> or lost or something? Wait, getting charged because the negative interest rate? Yeah, so you're getting charged to keep it, you What's keep the it rate? in the bank. <laughs> what's let's the say rate? you can't invest it in stocks. It's either in your house or in the bank. Yeah, but what's the rate I don't at the know. bank? But like negative or I don't know. Just <laughs> <laughs> negative point five? You're, 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 lo- you're, lo- you're losing like $100 a day in the bank. 
Well, out of a you're million? also going to be losing money if it's just sitting in a safe too because you're not investing it. It's yeah, just, from well, inflation. That, yeah, and I you're guess. losing it less fast. All right, I guess it wasn't a fun question. You guys ruined it with all the specifics. They yeah. buy. Pretty, I just thought it would I be mean, interesting. Like, would anybody w- be willing to just like keep? more cash at their house rather than keeping yeah sure it, yeah it looks it looks cool having a million dollars just like in a room all in yeah. once why yeah. not Hold they sell pretty durable safes these days yeah almost bank quality probably or you know what you, you could put like a a floor down and then put all the money on the floor and then put some like some glass on top of it so you could just walk across your money and see it all the time could you fit right? a million cool. dollars cash in a room um I, yeah in hundreds i'm sure you could yeah i've, I've tried it you can <laughs> I fit it all just under my mattress, not yeah. all, let alone the room. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I don't know. Do you guys have any more topics um, you want to talk about? I, uh, I think we're good. I have one thing I, I got to mention is that we did Super Bowl predictions last week. I know we're late because we recorded like we recorded that episode the day before. Mm-hmm. Now it's been a week since the Super Bowl. I was the closest. I picked Rams by seven, and they won by three. Well, what yeah, Bengals didn't we'll, get it done. Hate to see it. Yeah. Let me but. ask you a question: What did you gain from that, except for bragging rights? Uh, I lost twenty dollars gambling. There you I go. Bet on the Rams minus yep. four. Yeah, I uh, don't gamble very often. I'm pretty against gambling, but I always put just like a little bit of money on the Super Bowl. I'm talking like twenty, twenty five <laughs> bucks or something like that. Yeah, and a, I did come out nothing. in the positives, even though the Bengals lost. So right. yeah, win for me in that aspect. Yeah. Tom's like, yeah, I don't gamble at all. I just put like. A thousand dollars in SoFi every day, and it goes down. And I take it out. <laughs> you might as well be gambling. Yeah, how about Tom last week loading the boat okay, on SoFi? I was not yeah. loading the boat. Yeah. I just said I kind of, but I did. I did. It, well, first of all, it did go up like ten percent in the first couple days that week after the podcast came out. And then what? Did uh, it then do? it went down probably oh, okay. more than ten percent. Yeah. But uh, I did say if the market is down as a whole, I would I would be willing to bet that that goes down just as much. Then then bet. And it did. Then why don't you take take out a to get a put? Take it to a short position on SoFi. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I'm not going to do that. I yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. What did, what did you guys take on just gambling in general? Because, like, I don't bet a lot, but yeah. I did bet $20 on the Super Bowl. Like, it's not much money. So, I'm I mean, willing was to it... risk it. But I look back and I'm like, fuck. If I just yeah. – I shouldn't say fuck on this. Is that Why okay? Not? I just yeah. said it again to explain myself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, dude. This, this uh, is, I shouldn't... The podcast is ruined. You I swore one the time. I label on every episode. I was like – Damn, I should have put that $20 in the S&P 500 instead. Yep. It's a missed yeah. opportunity. I mean, I don't have a problem with other people choosing to gamble. It's their own money. It, you never want it to become a problem. It's very easy to get addicted to. Mm-hmm. Um, on the plus side, though, from like a legislative perspective, I don't know why more states don't have it because it brings in a ton of like revenue. Um, mm-hmm. It can bring in a ton of revenue. Um, so. All right, here's a hypothetical for you. $20 you got right now. With the instability in the market leading up to the Fed's decision on May 16th, you putting that $20 on an NBA game tonight or are you putting it in the S&P 500? I'm putting it on Tom's <laughs> SoFi position. <laughs> just whatever I'm just Tom's gonna inverse, doing. I'm inverse Tom's strategy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you guys ever looked at those inverse stocks? Yeah, the, those are those are pretty intense, especially the ones that are like triple leveraged. Yeah, like yeah. those can I feel like get out of hand yeah. real quick, or like you can make a lot of money real quick. Yeah, a lot of them are good for short term. I mean, also they have crazy, you know, expense. Like it's like point seven five, which is pretty high for expense ratio. Yeah, and it's all it's essentially like you're shorting the stock if it's inverse. Mm. 
So like you're yeah, b- in a way. betting on it going well, down. No, it's it's definitely not like shorting because you don't got to worry about the, the the time decay and all that. It's just directly yeah. the complete inverse. Yeah. If it's one times, it's one times. If it's two, you know, it's two, it's three, it's three. Yeah. Could, could you... I was gonna say like I would rather do that buy those inverses right. than short it. Yeah. Um, just because like you can sell it whenever you want. Um, and you, sorry, what were you gonna say? Tom, I was gonna before? say, could you use it? So let's say you're just like dollar cost averaging into the S and P five hundred and everything's going smooth. But you sense there's like a period of high volatility right now. Maybe there'll be a crash. Can you just buy like some of that to kind of like hedge your other like to Why kind not? of like yeah. make yeah. your portfolio less aggressive kind of towards that would but, make no sense. Yeah, because but you would just break it has even a high expense ratio. No, you wouldn't. You would lose money because say you bought the oh, exact same in both. So they charge you like they charge a fee. you, yeah, oh, and it's point okay. seven five percent. Okay, I see. So even if you invested like hundred in each. S and P and the inverse S and P. Well, then, you, you, then you'd lose money. I didn't mean either the way. Exact same amount though, but yeah, yeah I meant just yeah. like put a little bit, right. like maybe no, a tenth of, just to like kind of like soften it if there right. was a big crash. Yeah. Just kind of makes your portfolio a little less aggressive at the yeah. time. Like even if it stayed the same too. Some people are like, oh, I'll just do like equal in both. Like, I don't know what it's gonna do, and it stays the same. Actually, no, you're losing money in both. Like S and P has a tiny. Yeah, I would so. say the. <laughs> The better way to like hedge your bet there is to just invest it in something else. Yeah. Like yeah. diversify yourself yeah. a little better, I think is what I would do there. Yeah. What do you guys think about, uh, this is the last thing I kind of want to bring up just right now. What is the last thing, or sorry, what do you guys think about yeah. like the, I don't know if you guys have it, but like my retirement plan, retirement account mm-hmm. has like different settings. So I can be on like conservative, aggressive, very aggressive. Mm-hmm. I've had mine on very aggressive since I started. Because, like, you're young and, like, yeah. you can be a little bit more risky with it. What Like, so, you don't have to tell me where yours at, but, like, what is your thoughts on those? So, I can tell you, like, my – I think I actually mentioned it on the last podcast. My mix was, like – I think it's, like, 58% stocks or something. It's, like, I want to say 20% international stocks. So, that was – 58% was U.S. stocks, 20-something percent international, like, 8% bonds, 2% cash, something like that. I don't remember the exact numbers. Um, but I'm like just comfortable with that. I no no not that. I meant like mine has settings. Like I can yeah. Well, you have a yeah, but so what I'm saying is, mine is like moderately aggressive. Okay, you could. What would happen is if I was more aggressive, it would be like 100% stocks or 90% U.S. stocks. Oh, and then as you go to less aggressive, it becomes like 50% bonds and like 20% cash Uh, to get really like not aggressive at all. What you're talking about is a target date fund. Right where yes, you can, and yeah. that's what I'm talking about. Oh, too. you're talking about saying that. Okay, so like, yeah. like the way my 401k is set up, it is it is in a Vanguard target date yeah, fund. Okay. So those percentages change. Yeah. So as I get closer to retirement age, like say I'm 55, mm-hmm. that allocation at 58% stocks is probably now like 20, yep. and the bonds that were at like 8% are now at like 20%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it kind of naturally just goes more conservative as you go. Yeah. Mine, I think I actually have to change the settings. It will never like change unless I change it. So right now mine's on very aggressive in a time of high volatility like this, probably not the best, but obviously I'm not going to change it around because then it's kind of like trading. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just not worth it, but I don't know. I just didn't know if you guys had any thoughts on that. Yeah. How does it work with, I don't have a Roth. I do 401k, but I know Tyler, you have a Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. How does that work? Well, I mean, I, I don't have like a, well, you, you can do like an asset managed fund in there, but I just do, you know, you just low, invest. low cost index funds, yeah. um, you know, some small cap, mostly large cap. 
and obviously you know that's that's money that's already been taxed so i don't need to pay taxes on that which is nice yeah i don't have as much money working for me now but i don't have to worry about you know when i'm what 55 i have to pay taxes if i want to take it out early i mean yeah i can do yeah. like a, a backdoor roth if i want which I know a lot of people retire early they do that with their 401k which is a whole different thing we can talk about. Yeah, we should talk about 401ks, IRA, like mm-hmm. Roth IRAs at some point. Because yeah. the, there's like so many different variations of those. And like yeah. there's even more. Um, like there's like the, I think it's like 529 or something. I could be wrong. Like the college one yeah, five, to five set up be, yeah. for your kids. Like there's so many different types of accounts. Um, a- HSA. That, yeah. Health savings accounts. Yeah, FSA, flexible spending account. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's not really, that's more like. Mine's different. It's invested. My right? work is different. No. I feel like the one at my work is. It must be an HSA then. The health one. Yeah. Uh, maybe, well, there's there's different the ones. F- FSA is a flexible spending account. Yeah. And HSA is is the, is the flexible one. spending account not invested? Uh, at least it could be different at different companies or yeah. how you do it. But it I might know, not be. I know. Like, I've only had F and it wasn't invested. It was okay. just money that was added to an account and it never changed. But I'm pretty sure the HSA you can invest that money, but you can only use it for medical expenses. Which if yes, you you have yeah. a lot of you know prescription you have to pay, then you know it's good. Okay, yeah, you're investing your money and boom. Yeah. Tax free. Yeah. And I definitely could have been wrong about that FSA. I don't use it. Um, and I don't use the health one either, but I have looked into, like, I know a pretty good amount about like 401ks and stuff because I've done like a ton of research on it for what will be the best for my future. Um, so we should definitely talk about those at some point. Cause it's definitely interesting. People always have the Roth versus 401k debate. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many advantages to both sides. Like I feel yeah. like everyone should be using at least one of those, um, or maybe even both. But it's everyone kind of just has their own opinion on it. Yeah. All right. You guys all set? Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? Nope. Nope. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you have a good week. Make sure to follow us at Bees for Business on Instagram and Twitter. Um, make sure to like and subscribe if you liked what you heard. Drink some Thai's coffee and have a good week investing. <laughs>